MSW Media. Big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, June 19th, 2023. Today, a civil lawsuit inadvertently produces new evidence about January 6th crimes. One of the Oath Keepers attorneys who was deemed incompetent to stand trial is ordered to treatment. The gunman in the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting has been found guilty on all 63 counts. Trump attorney Jim Trusty has left the blunder dome. A court filing in the documents case indicates there may be more charges coming. The Fox producer responsible for the wannabe dictator Joe Biden Chiron has been fired. And Justin Jones and Justin Pearson have won their primaries in Tennessee. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Everybody, happy Monday, happy Juneteenth. A few pieces of good news before we get to the hot notes. First, someone at Fox News thought it would be a good idea to throw up a Chiron calling Joe Biden a wannabe dictator. Well, that chode has been fired from Fox News. Turns out he used to be a producer on Tucker's show. Not surprised. And the two Democratic state reps in Tennessee who were expelled by Republicans over gun violence protests won their primary races for their old seats Thursday night. Justin Jones won in Nashville and Justin Pearson won in Memphis. Now, Pearson had faced a Democratic challenger, David Page, while Jones ran unopposed. Unofficial results showed that Pearson and Jones won overwhelmingly. Local government officials reinstated both of them to their seats days after they were expelled in April, but they still had to run to be reelected to their old seats. So congratulations, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. All right, we have a lot of news to get to from over the weekend. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up from Steve Bennon at the Maddow blog. About a year ago, he writes, the Erie Reader, a free alternative newspaper in northwestern Pennsylvania, published this opinion piece, and there's a link, from Jim Wirtz. That's the chair of the local Democratic Party. The point of the column was unsubtle. Wirtz slammed two local Republican lawmakers, Rep. Mike Kelly and State Senator Dan Laughlin, over their efforts to contest the 2020 election results. The GOP officials were not pleased, but the Erie Reader and the author of the piece didn't much care, and they ignored the Republicans' calls for a retraction and an apology. The state senator then filed a defamation lawsuit against the newspaper and Wirtz, the author. On the surface, this might not seem especially notable. In fact, disputes like this are not uncommon. What makes this story interesting, however, is some of what we've learned as a result of the case. A month after Donald Trump's defeat, The outgoing president and his political operation focused on a handful of key battleground states with the hopes of overturning the will of the voters. Among the targets, of course, was Pennsylvania. At the time, right-wing state Senator Doug Mastriano was not convinced such efforts were legal. So Team Trump gave him the hard sell. Christina Bob, at the time, on-air personality at a conservative media outlet, before she formally joined Trump's legal team, emailed the outgoing president's advisors, urging them to have Rudy Giuliani pressure Mastriano. The Philadelphia Inquirer reported this morning on previously unknown details about what happened next, and this is from the Inquirer. Previously unreported communications obtained by the Inquirer show that two days after Bob's email, Trump himself 
called Mastriano, this time peddling lies about Dominion voting machines. Quote, POTUS just called me, Mastriano wrote in a December 14th, 2020 email with the subject line, Document for POTUS. He asked that I share the attached with you. Mastriano was happy to oblige. He sent the email to an unidentified group of recipients with findings from a debunked study of voting machines in Michigan, including a false claim that there was a 68% error rate in votes cast. There was not a 68% error rate, but Trump sent his Pennsylvania ally false and conspiratorial information after calling him directly as part of a broader anti-election scheme. The same scheme included other Trump Mastriano phone calls in which, according to the state senator, the then president wanted GOP state lawmakers to send a letter to congressional GOP leaders claiming in-state voting irregularities that could be used as part of an election challenge. These details came to light thanks to the discovery process from that Republican defamation case. What's more, it's not just the former president who looks worse as a result of the revelations. This is also from the Inquirer's article. In addition to a couple of Mastriano emails referencing his conversations with Trump, other emails point to disagreements within the GOP about challenging the result of the election. For instance, Laughlin privately scoffed at a lawsuit filed by Rep. Mike Kelly, one of Trump's top supporters, seeking to disenfranchise about 2.6 million voters by throwing out every mail-in ballot in Pennsylvania. Quote, we're not saying a word on this crap, Laughlin wrote from his cell phone on December 8th, 2020. Mike Kelly is hurting our party right now, unquote. It'll be interesting to see if these end up in any Jack Smith January 6th indictments. And from WUSA 9, a federal judge said Friday he would order former Oath Keepers General Counsel Kelly Sorrell restored to competency a week after the government and defense evaluators found she was not fit to stand trial. Sorrell, who's an attorney and former Republican candidate for the Texas House of Representatives, was scheduled to begin trial next month with two members of the Oath Keepers militia. A federal grand jury indicted her in September on felony counts of conspiracy and obstruction for allegedly instructing members of the Oath Keepers, led by Stuart Rhodes, her then-boyfriend, to destroy evidence after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Sorrell, who also served as counsel for Latinos for Trump, was on Capitol grounds on January 6th with Rhodes, but did not enter the building. Last week, both Sorrell's attorney, Horatio Aldridge, and Justice Department attorneys informed U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta that separate evaluators hired by both parties had come to the conclusion Sorrell was not competent to stand trial. A report documenting the government's evaluators' findings was submitted to the court under seal this week. The specific nature of the findings was not disclosed. Well, this past Friday, Meta said he would accept the results from the evaluators and order Sorrell restored to competency. Both Aldridge and Assistant U.S. Attorney Catherine Ricosi agreed their reading of the federal statute governing the competency to stand trial, which is 18 U.S. Code Section 4241, required Sorrell's treatment to occur at an inpatient setting. That's what restored to competency means, going to treatment. Although competency restoration typically occurs while in the custody of the Bureau of Prisons, Meta, who has allowed Sorrell to remain out on personal recognizance since her arrest, was reluctant to order Sorrell detained. He suggested parties explore other hospitalization options like St. Elizabeth's in D.C., although he questioned whether a non-D.C. resident would be able to receive treatment there. Aldridge said he was aware of a possible option in San Antonio, approximately an hour and a half from Sorrell's home in Texas. With the Bureau of Prisons, the process normally takes up to four months to complete. Meta ordered the parties to return for a status hearing in 60 days and said he would challenge Sorrell's conditions of release to require her to seek outpatient mental health treatment until a bed can be located for her at an inpatient facility. 
Sorrell attended the telephonic hearing Friday via Zoom from what appeared to be the interior of a car, but did not speak during the proceeding. Meta's order means Sorrell will not appear alongside co-defendants Donovan Crowell and James Beeks at the trial scheduled to begin July 10th. Both men face seven counts ranging from entering a restricted building to conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding for their roles in the riot. To date, at least 21 members of the Oath Keepers militia have been convicted at trial or pled guilty to charges in connection with January 6th. Eight, including the militia's founder, Stuart Rhodes, have been convicted of seditious conspiracy. Only one, Michael Whip Green, the militia's operation leader on January 6th, has not been convicted of at least one felony count. Rhodes was sentenced last month to 18 years in prison. And special counsel Jack Smith filed a protective order over the unclassified discovery evidence in the documents case. So we're starting discovery now. Jack Smith is right on it. He's like, we're going to hand over everything now, but we need a protective order, which basically says that the defense and Trump and his lawyers cannot share the information publicly. And he gave several reasons, privacy information, unindicted co-conspirators. But the one that stood out to me was that some of the discoverable unclassified material could cause harm to open and ongoing investigations, plural. So what does that mean? Are there still outstanding documents investigations, perhaps? Maybe in New Jersey for the dissemination of national defense information that took place at Bedminster, for which we have audio tape? Or are there crossover witnesses to the January 6th probe, like Mark Meadows? Since none of what is in the current indictment points to Meadows, perhaps some of the other documents' crimes pertain to him, and he's a witness for that. Could we see other charges in other jurisdictions? If so, I imagine we'll see them soon, unless there's some grand jury activity going down that we don't know about. We'll go over the possibilities on the next episode of Jack. That podcast, by the way, is out right now. The current episode has so much good information. Former Assistant General Counsel for the CIA, Brian Greer, joins me and Andy McCabe. Just really good information on SEPA, and he makes it so easy to understand. So you definitely want to give that a listen. And from Kyle Cheney at Politico, former President Donald Trump's attorney, Jim Trusty, who I just saw pop up on an episode of Forensic Files. <laughs> rerun. It's amazing who you see on Forensic Files. I've seen Trey Gowdy on there, now Jim Trusty. He withdrew from representing Trump in a pair of federal criminal probes last week. And he pulled out of yet another Trump legal matter Friday, citing irreconcilable differences with Trump. In a filing with the U.S. District Court in Southern Florida, Trusty indicated his intention to withdraw from Trump's pending defamation lawsuit against CNN. The long-shot lawsuit, which Trump filed last October, accuses CNN of maligning him as a racist, Russian lackey, insurrectionist, and ultimately Hitler. Quote, Mr. Trusty's withdrawal is based upon irreconcilable differences between counsel and plaintiff, and counsel can no longer effectively and properly represent plaintiff. That's what Trusty wrote in the filing, which he signed. The move follows Trusty's decision, along with Trump attorney John Rowley, to resign from Trump's legal team shortly after he was indicted by a Florida grand jury for stashing military secrets at his Mar-a-Lago estate and obstructing justice. The two lawyers issued a joint statement that made no mention of irreconcilable differences, but they left. Now that the case has been filed in Miami, this is a logical moment for us to step aside and let others carry the cases through to completion. That's what they wrote last week. We have no plans to hold media appearances that address our withdrawals or any other confidential communications we've had with the president or his legal team. Trustee could not immediately be reached for request on Friday for comment, request for comment. A Trump campaign spokesperson said, the defamation lawsuit against CNN is entering a new phase as more irrefutable facts are revealed. We thank Mr. Trusty for his work on this case and wish him all the best. That's a Trump campaign spokesperson. 
The filing, however, arrives at a sensitive moment in Trump's legal battles. He's seeking additional representation to defend him against the 37-count indictment for willful retention of national security information, as well as obstructing efforts by the government to reclaim those records. Trump appeared at his arraignment Tuesday with attorneys Todd Blanche and Christopher Kyes, but he's expected to add an additional firm as the proceedings get underway. He's done, as you know, we've talked about this on The Beans, many interviews, many interviews. No one wants to be a part of it. I wonder why. Must be because it's such a weak case. It's so winnable for Trump. Attorneys would be lining up around the block if that were the case. And from David Nakamura at The Washington Post, a Pennsylvania man was found guilty Friday on federal charges of fatally shooting 11 people and wounding seven others at a Pittsburgh synagogue in 2018, a verdict that makes him eligible for the death penalty for what authorities say was the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in U.S. history. A 12-member jury in federal court in Pittsburgh convicted, I'm not going to tell you his name, but he's 50 years old and he's from Baldwin, Pennsylvania, on all 63 counts, including hate crimes and weapons violations, after two weeks of searing testimony from dozens of prosecution witnesses. Among those who testified were survivors, including police officers who'd been shot during the attack. Prosecutors also played haunting 911 emergency calls, during which victims could be heard screaming, struggling to breathe before dying amid rapid gunfire from this guy who used an AR-15 and three handguns. Five police officers were wounded as they attempted to apprehend him during the attack. It was October 27, 2018, in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood, longtime Jewish enclave. He fatally shot six victims in the head and fired about 100 rounds of ammunition in all. Quote, the defendant turned this sacred ground of worship into a hunting ground. That's Prosecutor Mary Hahn speaking to the jurors in her closing arguments Thursday. The jury deliberated for a total of about five hours over two days before they reached a verdict. Bauer's defense team, which did not call any witnesses and introduced no evidence, did not dispute that he carried out the massacre. In her opening statement, public defender Judy Clark suggested that this guy was motivated to violence not because of a hatred of Jews, but rather because he feared that congregants were aiding immigrants whom he considered a threat to Americans. Quote, none of this is true, another defense attorney, Eliza Long, said during her closing arguments Thursday, but it is what he believed to be true. The defendant sat next to his lawyers at the table during the trial, but he did not testify. Survivors and family members of the victims also attended the proceedings each day. Quote, I'm grateful to God for getting us to this day. That's Rabbi Jeffrey Myers of the Tree of Life Congregation in a statement after the verdict Friday. Today, I'm focused on being with my congregation and praying, singing, and clapping in praise of God as we do each Shabbat. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro, who is Jewish, said in a statement that the verdict was a step toward justice in Pittsburgh, but the horror and pain of October 27, 2018 will never go away. The first phase of the trial determined whether he would be found guilty or not guilty. A second phase, now that the jury has found him guilty, will determine whether he will face the death penalty or life in prison. U.S. District Judge Robert Colville said he expected the second phase to begin June 26th, so in a week. Prosecutors are seeking the death penalty. This next phase of the trial could last up to six weeks. Defense lawyers have filed motions stating that he suffers from schizophrenia and epilepsy, brain impairments that they could argue are mitigating factors against capital punishment. Prosecutors rejected a defense offer for a plea agreement that would have resulted in him spending the rest of his life in prison. Colville permitted prosecutors to conduct their own psychiatric analysis of the guy in the days before the trial began in late May. The results remain confidential. If the jury does not land unanimously in favor of capital punishment, he would automatically receive a sentence of life in prison under federal sentencing guidelines. All right, everybody. We've got a lot of good news to get to today, and we need it. 
So if you have good news to send to us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We'll be right back with it. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And I want to tell you, I want to sing the praises of my custom mattress from Helix Sleep. You know, I've been talking about this forever. I absolutely love my Helix mattress. It's like a rejuvenating spa visit every night. It's perfectly tailored for what I need to get the best sleep possible. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life, and you'll get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Helix has 20 diverse mattresses, including the award-winning Lux line, the new Elite Collection, and even options for children or big and tall sleepers. You can easily find out which is the perfect mattress for you by taking their two-minute online sleep quiz. Then you can have your perfect mattress shipped right to your door free of charge, no hassle, Mine is the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm bed. It is the best mattress, head and shoulders, I have ever slept on. No contest. You get a 10 or 15 year warranty depending on the model. And Helix even gives you 100 nights to try it in the comfort of your own home. So forget going to the mattress store and find the best sleep of your life with a Helix mattress. And don't forget the new Helix Elite Collection, a testament to their dedication of elevating your sleep experience. And Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, if you want to play what the mutt or what the heck wine, I'm really good at that for some reason. I think I'm at like a 75% with the what the what the heck wine, but it's way better than my what the mutt. Uh, shout out to a local business. Shout out to a loved one. Uh, shit kids say, shit you say, shit your parents say. Uh, Whoopi story, blanky story. I love those. Uh, frog orgies, as you know, uh, baby pictures for Dana. Pod pet picks, especially in costume. I love those. If you don't have a pod pet, you can send an adoptable pet in your area. Whatever you want to send us. Uh, if you have a new game you want to play, send it to us. Dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. First up, Sean, pronounce he and him. During your news story talking about Jack Teixeira, you did indeed get the pronunciation of Dighton correct on the first try. But It is about a half hour from where I grew up. I'm very familiar with the area. The one everyone gets wrong is Peabody. It's Peabody. Okay. Sometimes I think people just like grab and just do it, just pronounce it weird just so it'll, you know, so people will remember it. I, I don't know. Peabody. For a pod pet tax, I'm sending along pictures of my black cat feet. He's 13 years young and very active. Dana, you're awesome too. Keep up the good work. Hello, feet. Oh, she's beautiful. Awesome. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. All right. Next up from Barbo, she and her have been a listener from Norway from kitchen table days. Here's my news. So I got the Wordle on the second try. And at the age of 55, I've joined a political party and I'm running for local election this September. In Norway, we have heaps of political parties, currently around 10 in the house, quote unquote, the house, what they call the house, and a coalition of two running the show. My party is a social liberal party called Left, but it's actually on the Norwegian right side. (laughs) So around AOC. She's considered on the right over in Norway. Or no, maybe the right is the left in Norway. But anyway, thank you, Barbo. I appreciate that. And congratulations. Best of luck. Next up, Dave, pronouns he and him, sending greetings from my little corner of the world, Wajuk, 
country, the traditional name for the Perth region of Western Australia. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Don't know if this is a thing, but I'd like to claim to be the most remote of your listeners, 11,568 miles from Washington, D.C. I love your take on politics and current affairs. We have our own shit fuckery over here. Although we have apparently elected more progressives of our political duopoly, the shit fuckery still propagates. You can sample some of their work courtesy of the Honest Government Ads. I don't personally know these guys. They do good work, as do you. And there's some links here we'll provide for you. They even did an ad for SCOTUS a little while ago. And here's the the juicemedia.com with the SCOTUS ad. You may find some of their turns of phrase can be equally useful in your podcast. Thanks for your time. It's appreciated. Pod pet tax time. This is Vivian, named after Vivian Bastard. Depending on the day, I describe her as a giant dachshund or a miniature Doberman. Her origin story is a little clouded. She was found seven years ago, scared in the middle of a roundabout, so naturally I adopted her. Being a working dog, she has a few jobs. She's a guinea pig wrangler, uh, one of which is named Special Patrol Group. (laughs) If you get the Vivian Bastard reference, it makes sense. Chicken, egg collector, and therapy dog. She may actually be a New Zealand huntaway. Oh, she's beautiful, whatever she is. I love it. Oh, there she is, wrangling some guinea pigs. So cute. Thank you for that, and thank you for those links. Dave, I appreciate that. Wondering if you heard me or saw me on ABC this week uh, down there in Australia. All right, next up from Vicky A. Here is Sullivan the Wonder Dog, my blind senior rescue, enjoying the beach in Seaside, California. Can you tell what he is? The DNA test says mostly poodle with whippet and chow mixed in. His tongue is pink, though. Thanks. Now, had those breeds been put under the picture by our producers, I would have probably just guessed poodle. But chow and whippet? All right, if you say so. Thank you for my daily political fix. You're welcome. That's a heck of a leash. That's like 30 feet long. Awesome. Run and run. All right, next up from Mike, pronouns he and him. Love your pods. And they've risen up to the top of my chart, holding spots one through 10 and the next best start at 21. I was listening to your pod last week and a good news post was about where the person listens to your pods. I was hiking just east of Seattle whilst listening to the pod. So here's a few pics from the trail. My doggy, a frog, and a well-hidden toad. No need to guess my dog's breed. She's a Taiwan dog from Taiwan with a bit of pit by DNA test. Her given name for her rescuers is Oni, but I mostly call her Cheyenne or Cheyenne. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. And sometimes Cheyenne, Cheyenne, Cheyenne. Thanks for your delightful and informative pods. Cussing included. You're welcome, Mike. Oh, this looks like a very trusty hiking partner. And there's a frog And there's a toad. Adventures of Frog and Toad. Thank you very much. Frog and Toad are having a minute. They're having a, uh, yeah, a moment, as, the, as they say. Next up, Idaho guy, he, they. Just started listening after a fellow craft-lit podcast superfan recommended you, and I'm loving it. You asked for new swear words, and this almost counts. I interact with a lot of people who have widely varying tolerances for swearing, so I sometimes modulate my post-repressive childhood love for a good hard cussin' with what I think are clever replacements. One of my favorites is useful in describing any ridiculously annoying or frustratingly chaotic situation as a cluster function. Love it. You can almost hear the sphincters tightening around the pre-installed sticks as I get the erf part of the word out and then clearly see the palpable relief when they hear function. It has often been even more satisfying than just plain cursing, which is saying something. Keep up the good work. And thanks for all of the useful non-news info, too. I have someone who would greatly benefit from a Camp Indigo Point visit to name just one thing. Thank you so much. All right, cluster function. Another word for Donald Trump's legal team. All right, finally, 
From Eric, pronouns he and him, a shout out. Hello, Beans Queens. I started today with the Daily Beans before my first cup of coffee. Thank you for the sanity, humor, insights, interviews, and feats of pronunciation. Majolner, anyone? Okay, why are you doing that to me? Okay, Um, you know what? I don't even know what that is. All right, cool. We moved from the D.C. suburbs to Pacific Grove, California in the fall of 2021, driving across the country through red states while a new variant of COVID was emerging, added to the stress of uprooting our lives. Plus, include two cats in your travel plans and you start to question your decisions very quickly. (laughs) As terrible as COVID was, it was actually the catalyst for the move. We felt so isolated. As we transitioned to working from home and our son began distance learning, we became so much closer as a family. COVID, in a way, helped us realize what was actually important, living. So here we are, living our best lives, celebrating our one-year anniversary in our home. Our son just graduated fifth grade, congratulations, and gets to enjoy the beach every day. We still can't find things from our old house and some things have broken, but we have each other and our cats, Nacho and Miso, which is what matters most. This Father's Day, I want to give a shout out to my family. I wouldn't be a father without them. (laughs) Thank you for all the love and joy you bring to my life. To my dad, who passed away in 2017, I miss you. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and caregivers, past, present, and future. Thank you for that. Happy Father's Day to my dad, too. I haven't seen him since he passed away in 1990? 90? 90. Yeah. So I have a lot of of like stand-in surrogate dads that, (laughs) that fill in for me. So thank you for that. And thanks for all your good news submissions. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Please check out the latest episode of the Jack podcast. And this Wednesday, there'll be a new cleanup on aisle 45 with Pete Strzok. So until tomorrow, when I'm back in your ears, I think with Dana, uh, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry, 
We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.